somewhere in the middle he mentions uh, the danger of entitlement. Entitlement just uh, struck something in me. I've been kind of paying attention to that idea, that theme throughout the week and how that all works. Uh, significant post during the week, someone posted a conversation. Uh, they had found out their friend's dad had passed and it was pretty intense and gone over to speak words of comfort. And uh, rather than actually doing that, she began to tell her own story of loss. And so her trying to comfort the other person really began, became her telling her stuff. And finally, the woman just stood up and said, you know, you're just ridiculous. So all you want to do is talk about you. And that's entitlement. That's entitlement. We're missing. We're missing each other. We're so stuck on looking at ourselves. We're missing the other. And that's what Jesus is all about, is the other. So I've really been kind of digging around in that. And you know, I was thinking, about what's the flip side of the coin on entitlement? And of course, it's... Uh, a more correct Christian attitude is humility. Humility. Right? And although humility is not listed as a vineyard value, it is evidently present throughout them. I mean, you just think of the way we worship. We don't sing songs about ourselves. We sing songs to Jesus. He's the other. You know, that's, that's humility. It's looking at the other. Um, you know, naturally supernatural. We don't make a big show of a lot of the things that we do. Um, just, just woven in there, and especially in the praxis of, of working out our values. And, and it's been that way since the beginning. I ran across a little video clip. If you could put that up, Eric. Uh, this is Phil Stroud, who's now the head of Vineyard USA, and he's talking about John Wimber, who's the founder of Vineyard. And uh, Phil had a long personal relationship with him, and his insights were interesting to me in looking at humility. So. You know, and if, if you had met him, you would enjoy being around him, and you might not understand why, except that would be why. Because he, with all that he did, all that he had accomplished, um, he was just a humble guy, you know, just uh, real. Anyway, so, you know, normally uh, on Sundays, uh, I, I like to prepare a word out of the word, out of the Bible. You know, each week I, I try to come up with something fresh or, you know, look back at some things, some themes that perhaps come up again and need some reworking or gotten fresh revelation on or whatever and I'm thinking so so what do I want to do on, on humility what where where do I want to go with this and uh, I got an email from uh, Vineyard Resources and and they've been promoing this can you can you put that header up there again uh, this humble king thing theme uh, as their Advent Christmas program so Vineyard churches around the world starting today, are doing this Humble King Advent Christmas message. And I thought, well, let, let me take a look at it. And lo and behold, uh, the first 
chapters on this are all about humility. So I thought, we have vineyard, you know. <laughs> I can save myself some work here. <laughs> so we're, we're going to do the series. This is the first time I've done a, a vineyard series in the last 10 years that we've been involved with vineyard. I've always done our own stuff, but uh, I thought I'd give this a shot. So hang on. I don't know where we're going to go, but we'll see. Amen. So, so anyways, uh, there was a song written, and you might be... Uh, familiar with it. It's called Humble King. It's a vineyard song. And, and in the song Humble King, in the second line, it says, show me how much you love humility. Show me how much you love humility. And he's singing to Jesus. And he does. He shows us in um, diving deep into Philippians 2, we see the image of a humble king. And we're going to go there in the scriptures, Philippians 2, beginning in verse 1. And these are great questions that Paul asks, and these are great questions to ask yourself at any given point. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, do you? I mean, did you ever read that and, and say, whoa, that's a question, isn't it? I got, I got to ask me, do, do, am I encouraged by being in Christ? Is, is there encouragement for me in that? Is there encouragement for my family? Is there encouragement for my friends? I mean, so, um, if any comfort from his love, anyone ever get any of that? Comfort from, from, from the love of Jesus? Any common sharing in the spirit? Any tenderness and compassion? Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In other words, drop the entitlement. Drop the entitlement. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Wow. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So, Emmanuel, God with us, right? God puts on flesh, he comes and he dwells among us, was not a promotion, okay? Dad didn't say, oh, I'm so happy with you, Jesus, I'm going to promote you, I'm going to put you down there with them, right? No, it was not a promotion. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. So it was humbling for him to put on flesh to become human. And once he got there, he then humbles himself even further by pursuing the cross, right? Becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, Because of his humility, 
Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen and amen. So why does humility matter? Role models, role models are hard to come by. Hey, Brady's okay, right? I mean, he is the goat, right? <laughs> Sometimes we stumble upon our, our role models. You, you bump into someone you just connect with, you know? Like the day we realize that a parent or a grandparent or a coworker is far more remarkable than we had previously realized. And I've, I've encountered that here in this group on several occasions. And one of the character traits that most often strikes us about that person, it is usually that they approach what we perceive to be their greatness with some astounding level of humility. Don't you love a braggart? Come on, Pat. <laughs> and by humility, we mean that they seem to be keenly aware that they didn't become who they are without failure. And I, I, think, it's, I think it's Ralph Maxwell. Is it not Ralph? John Maxwell, right? Does that business thing. And he's the most successful entrepreneurs are also failures. They are a string of failures who finally succeed. They keep pushing, they keep picking themselves up. They seem to have an awareness they weren't the only ones responsible for their successes, or they understate their own talents in order to make us more aware of our own. Any, any of you have a friend who just has a way of building you up when, when you're around them, you seem to be, yeah, you know, encouraged by them, you know, yeah, isn't that good? Our heroes are often humble. Why did the God of heaven and the earth decide it would be best to present himself uh, to humanity as humble? The word humility comes from the root word humus. I'll use my Arabic accent, hummus, right? What you'd call hummus, right? <laughs> hummus is our earth. It literally speaks of being on the ground or even of the ground. Words like lowly, modest, small, meek, all enhance the meaning of the word hummus. God could have led like the types of leaders who really get ahead on social, online, or business platforms of our time with power and largeness of presence. He could have done that, right? I mean, being God and everything, right? But instead, he led with humility. A baby, rather than an angry mob, is the beginning of a revolution. A hard-working carpenter rather than an upper-class CEO is the founder of a dynasty of love. In fact, today, if there is any elevation of the character trait of humility in public leadership, a trait which transforms 
the celebrated leadership virtues of courage, wisdom, and truthfulness, the ideal comes to us from a man who chose the most powerful leadership stance of all when he, was, when he washed his disciples' feet. And if you have any understanding of that act in context, it would be like you mom or dad when your kid comes in the house and they say, oh, I stepped in the dog's poo. Seriously, the sewerage ran through the streets. The lowest slave in the household was giving the, given the task of washing the feet of honored guests because what they had to handle was the waste product of all the neighborhood. And Jesus, the king of glory, stripped himself down, got on his knees, and did that task. Then he said to us, I did this as an example. This is how you ought to act to one another. It seems that God wanted to communicate something very clearly about the kind of role model he intended for the human race to find. And for those who make Jesus their role model, humility is a prerequisite to greatness. What happens inside of us when humility comes into our lives? Actor George Clooney once said, I watch Batman and Robin from time to time. It's the worst movie I ever made. Hmm? So why would he do that? Keep himself humble, right? So it's a good lesson in humility. For most of us, lessons in humility usually come at a cost. We are embarrassed when how impressed we are with ourselves makes us look silly in front of others. Hmm? Or when we suffer a great failure, though we had absolutely convinced ourselves and others we had only sunshine and rainbows ahead of us or when we find ourselves confronted by a revelation that the success or freedom we are currently experiencing was built on the backs of others' blood, sweat, tears, and unspeakable sacrifice. Humility. However humility comes to us, it always seems to transform the way we see the world. Arrogance gives way to humble confidence. Pride gives way to a quiet trust in grace rather than in our own abilities and talents to carry us forward. Humility is a correct understanding of ourselves, neither too high nor too low. And we are lifted by humility. Humility has a way of telling the poor they are accepted and loved. Humility has a way of keeping us as aware of our great frailty as we are of our great strength. And through all of our transforming lessons, we somehow learn to elevate others above ourselves, to serve others with our gifts, and to truly see others as the immeasurably magnificent treasures they really are. According to Andrew Murray, humility is the only soil in which the graces root. The lack of humility is the sufficient explanation 
of every defect and failure. Wow. Big statement there, huh? In God's kingdom, humility paves the way to real, lasting hope. Weakness leads to strength. Philippians 2.6 says this, Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And wasn't he challenged with that? Even as he was being prepared to be put to death, he's standing in front of Pilate, and Pilate's trying to get him out of this thing, or trying to get himself out of it, and he says, don't you know I can have you killed or I can have you released? Because you can't do anything except it's given to you of the Father. Don't you know I could call down legions of angels right now and stop this whole thing? Jesus understood he had that ability, but in his humbleness, he also knew he had a task to perform for the Father for the sake of humanity. Listen to the message to Mary in Luke 1. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Quite the announcement, huh? Hope. Hope is a virtue. Like courage, trust, restraint, perseverance, faith, some of the stuff Eric was talking about last week. Justice. Hope is a muscle we work until it is developed for impact. And yet the ability to have hope and to experience the virtue of hope in our own lives depends on humility. But how are the two connected? If anyone could have been impressed with their Christmas business card, it would have been Jesus. Right? The Old Testament put the words, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, on his resume. And the New Testament provided titles like King of Kings and Lord of Lords to round it out. It's clear, looking over Jesus' titles, that he was equal to God. The terms that I use to refer to him are overwhelmingly divine in nature. But the scriptures seem to communicate that Jesus' hopeful vision of who he was, who you and I are, and who the people around him were, was not predicated on his view of himself. Rather, at every turn, we see Jesus point us toward putting our hope in the Father. The Father who made us, loves us, cares for us like the birds of the air, and adorns us like the flowers of the field. Jesus spoke of that in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus knew who he was, and each title that was his to claim from the Hebrew scriptures but that doesn't seem to be the lens through which Jesus saw the unfolding future hope to which he called us. 
No, we see Jesus in humility being of the ground, of the hummus, as he taught and demonstrated the kingdom of God. And all along the way, he gave glory to the Father above himself. And this seemed to enable Jesus to not only see God's future hope held in trust by his loving Father, but this humble love seemed to then empower him to have hope for every person that ever crossed his dusty, earthly, well-worn human path. Listen, if you bumped into Jesus with a problem, you didn't keep that problem for long. Hmm. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, okay, that full of hope. Let's take a few moments right now and let's just close our eyes, bow our heads and close our eyes for two minutes. The first minute, this is what we're going to do. Think about the ways you have depended on yourself as of late. Your own decision-making abilities, your own feelings, your own reasons, your own impulses, your own desires, your own experience or practice or skills, just the ways that you've relied upon yourself, okay? Just consider those, just for about a minute. Now, the next task I'm going to ask you to do, and I want you to listen carefully to this, because you could hear something else. The second minute, take the first few seconds to offer up every one of those self-dependencies to God and ask him to ruthlessly root out pride in your own capacities. Now, I hope you heard that we're not asking you to root out those capacities because you have been gifted, you have been enabled. You can do all things through Christ who strengthened you. We're not asking you to say, all right, Lord, I don't want any of this anymore. What we're asking you to do is look for those self-dependencies, those prides, those, those me issues within those capacities. And we're going to ask you to take all of those uh, pride issues and offer them up to God and ask him to root out the pride and the self-centeredness of those capacities. Okay. I'm just going to take about 30 seconds for that. Here's the last part of it, and and I I think this will be especially appropriate for you uh, young people who are preparing for confirmation right now. 
to consider this, okay? Turn your attention to reflect on what God has done and is doing in your life right now. Especially confirmation, guys. You're facing a spiritual, um, what do I want to call it? What would that be? A what? A hinge, a spiritual hinge, okay. okay. Let this awareness of God's activity in your current circumstances, be it in your heart, your mind, or character, overwhelm you and move you. So consider what God is doing and let, let the power of that, that hope, that blessed assurance, that solid rock foundation of Christ move you to a sense of confidence, not in self, but in him. Good. So considering those two little exercises, how high of a level of hope did you achieve in considering uh, when you were depending on, your own, on yourself? Were you very hopeful in that? Okay. How high was the level of hope when you turned that same attention towards God and his activity in your life? Did you feel an increase, a valid sense of yeah, yeah, I, I, can, I can rely on this. Even in my weakness, I can be strong in this, right? See, that's what humility gives you, the ability to drop dependency on self and grab a hold of what God is offering us through Christ because the Bible is clear. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, right? One last thing, if you journal, if you're a journaler, anyone do any journaling? Good. So do this as an exercise, maybe once a week, once a month. Just consider, you know, what the past week, the past month has uh, offered to you, how you've dealt with that. If, if I've been self-dependent, I go after this with my own strength, thinking that I could accomplish thing, this thing on my own, or did I really turn to the Lord? Did I go to him in prayer? Did I search out his word? Did I get counsel from godly brothers and sisters and really ask the Lord to invest in me so that my confidence was in him? And what's the difference in the fruit of those things? Because Jesus is pretty clear, right? The true vine, without him we can do what, a little bit? Is that what he said, a little bit? Get a little bit done? Nothing, nothing. So nothing is none, right? Okay, so... Yeah, that's good. If you felt hope rise in you, the expectation of good and a sense of connection to a future you cannot fully see, then you are experiencing the same hope Jesus had as he moved through the crowds preaching the life-upending message of the hope of the kingdom of God. Because he said, I do nothing except I see the Father do it. I say nothing except I hear the Father speak it. See, he had full confidence and full ability in his own humility 
by relying on the Father. It's the same for you with Jesus. It's the same. What you believe God has been doing and is doing in your life and allow him to build your hope in humility. Here's something from Simone Weil. Uh, Humility is attentive patience. Humility is attentive patience. So with that all said, let's stand and pray. Thank you, Father. We thank you, O God, that your ways are not our ways and our ways are not yours. But you have revealed to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, how we are to live and be and have our being. How we are to relate to one another and with our inner selves, O God, in this thing called humility. That we can lay ourselves low and not disappear. Lord, that we can go to ground level and not be overwhelmed. That we can let go of things and not lose. That we can be second or third and not be eliminated. Father, we thank you that Jesus is such a profound example and that all that he has attained to, he calls us to, that one day we will stand with him where he is and see him face to face. And Lord, I pray that humility mixed with hope will so restructure our lives that in that moment when we look upon him, we will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You washed each other's feet. You fed the poor. You visited the imprisoned. You took the homeless in. You clothed the naked. You gave water to the thirsty food to the hungry. You took care of the widow and the orphan, and you did it for me. So, Lord, humble us that we might find the hope and the strength that abides in the humility that you demonstrated, that you became so strong in your humility that you overcame death, hell, and the grave. And there's so much of that in front of us all the time, oh God. We need you. We need you more each day. So we invite you to come, Holy Spirit. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that if anyone encountered in that little exercise something about themselves that was distasteful or uh, displeasing to even their own spirits, that they perhaps a feeling uh, bad about, oh God, that you would come today, that you would come right now 
and bring comfort and peace and assurance, blessed assurance, that all those things indicate is it's time for change. We thank you for the opportunity to do that, oh God. And so I ask you to bless these folks, God, with your presence, that they would know you, Father, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, and have eternal life. In his mighty name I pray, amen and amen. If you have any... Uh,